Our text this Christmas morning is John chapter 8 and verse 12, but we're going to begin our reading right back at the beginning. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then on to chapter 8, and we'll see why that one true light was coming into this world. Chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Well, around the world as we speak, children, both naughty and nice, are mentally checking off their lists. There are spoilt kids in tears because they didn't get every last thing they asked for. There are others holding up a little bouncy ball or a yo-yo or an empty cardboard box as if it were the most wonderful treasure they'd ever received. And then there are others, aren't there, young and old, longing deep down this Christmas morning for the one gift so big and so hard that we don't even dare to ask for it. Because how many of us would trade in every last present under the tree just to get back the people we love? Christmas is often the day, isn't it, when we feel those who are absent more than ever. I guess all of us here are missing someone, and it's just not quite the same without them round the table. But of all the magical things we wish could happen, somehow that one seems too ludicrously big to hope for. But what if, what if, wouldn't everything else that we've bought and given and received today look like complete rubbish if only that one thing were possible. And then we read Jesus' own explanation of why he came into the world that first Christmas, and it's for the very thing so big we don't dare to ask for it. I came because I am the only one in all creation with the power to bring everyone back. I am the light of the world, the light of life. Well, we've been thinking this Christmas about the baby in the manger as swaddled starlight, three beautiful Bible pictures of what it means for the eternal light of heaven to become real human flesh and blood. First, in one of the oldest prophecies of the Bible, we saw that this promised star is heaven's king. 
the one who comes to chase away the darkness of evil. And then last week, we saw him pictured as the brightness of heaven's glory, the light who chases away our spell of ignorance and apathy and gloom. And finally this morning, Jesus pictures himself as heaven's life. He is the light who comes into the world to chase away the very shadow of death. And often to tell that story, we want to hurry on, don't we, past the manger, straight to the cross where sin was paid for and death was defeated. But for John, we can't do that until we've understood the wonder of who this is coming into the world. The point he wants us to grasp over chapter eight of his gospel is that Jesus' origins are everything. It's because this baby is filled with the undying life of heaven, because he is everything we just confessed in the Nicene Creed. God out of God, light out of light, who came down from above. It's only because he is all of that, that he can give his life to us. He is the light that shines the very thing we most ache for, and which we always thought was too big even to ask for. Life itself. So I wonder then, this Christmas morning, if we could pause long enough to let our hearts do the two very best things they could possibly do as the true light comes into the world. Receive the gift and rejoice in the giver. First and very simple, receive the gift. What does it mean that Jesus Christ is the light and life of the world? Well, we live in a world that is quite literally powered by starlight, don't we? Extinguish the sun and the world and everything in it dies. This would be just another cold, grey, lifeless rock hurtling through space. No warmth, no laughter, no joy, no life. And Jesus is saying, what the sun is to the solar system, so I am to the whole of humanity, the world's true light, your warmth, your laughter, your joy, your life. I wonder, friend, if you have ever believed that Jesus Christ could be all of that for you. And yet for centuries, it's what so many others have rejoiced in Christmas after Christmas, because there is no other life-giving light. Only one sun. You see the implication, don't you, of what he says here? Without me, there's nothing but darkness. A world in the shadow of death. And that's exactly what we see over the chapter. People try their very hardest in John chapter 8 to extinguish Jesus, to cling to some other light. And he warns them very plainly. Look down at verse 21. Without me, you will die in your sin. And yet he's come down so that we don't need to be without him. He's come, as that beautiful introduction to this gospel told us, 
to give us a place right at the breast of his own father in the joy and the warmth of his eternal home. And so there are countless pious mothers right now lecturing their little kids on the true meaning of Christmas, how it's all about giving, not receiving. But for Christians, that isn't quite true, is it? Christmas is all about receiving the one who pours his life into the world. Swaddled starlight. If there's one thing they're not to forget today, it's that there is nothing more precious waiting for you under the tree when you get home. The life of heaven was laid in a manger for whoever would follow him. So will you receive the gift? And secondly, will you rejoice in the giver? Somewhere deep in those ancient laws of Christmas, there seems to be an unwritten rule that one gift tag must go missing every year. In other families, I guess Father Christmas comes and he puts presents under the tree. In our family, somehow without fail, some deviant elf comes and takes one label away. And it is the classic Christmas nightmare, isn't it? Often the very thing that makes a gift so special is the one who gave it. You can't rejoice in a gift when you don't know who to thank. Oh, that was so sweet that he would give that. And as this chapter develops, that confusion is very much the problem that emerges. The reason people refuse Jesus' gift is that they never truly grasp who he is from. Verse 14, you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Verse 16, there's a father who sent me. Verse 23, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. You see, Jesus' eternal origin, his paternity, that is everything. Because unless we understand where he is from, or better, who he is from, we will never begin to grasp just how extraordinarily valuable this gift is. God is not simply giving his son for us to be born as a man and die on the cross. He's doing all of that, but the gift goes deeper. God is giving himself to us. This son flows eternally from the father. He is God of God, light of light. To have him, verse 29, is to have the eternal, undying God of heaven. We receive the giver with the gift. And it's grasping the beauty of that which changes everything. I've been trying to persuade you this year that the real Father Christmas wasn't a bloke called St. Nicholas. I mean, he was fine, but I think it's a brother of his called Athanasius who really deserves the title Father Christmas because it was old St. Athanasius who delighted in this mystery of the incarnation. And he asked the question, if Jesus is truly all of this, the eternal, undying star of heaven, 
Why not come to us as something more noble, more glorious than a crying human baby? Why not come into the world as some bright, angelic warrior? I mean, starlight, sure. But why the swaddling cloths? If he came to bring us life, and he is truly this all-powerful God, then why not just command death away from us with a nod? Why get his hands dirty by coming down as one of us? Well, what? Athanasius realised as he studied his Bible was that Jesus had come to do a bigger thing than simply save us from death. Death is not just some abstract problem out there. Sin and death is woven through us. Our natures are invaded with it, corrupted by it. We are dying creatures. And so what Jesus came to fix is something that will mean coming very, very close, all the way down. God could just command that anyone he forgives be raised from the dead, but we would rise only to face death all over again, only to lose the ones we love all over again, always living in fear. We'd be like flammable straw always hiding from the fire. You could live with incredible care, couldn't you, to keep the fire away from it? But the job would never be done, because it's the nature of straw to be flammable, just as it's our nature to be mortal. Unless somehow, Athanasius said, if somehow you could find a way to fireproof that straw, maybe You could cover it forever with asbestos. But how do you do that for a dying human being? How do you death-proof sinful man? Well, what if? What if the ever-living God, the life of heaven himself, what if he wove his own nature to a human body? Just think what John has told us in this book about the eternal Son of God. In him was life, right in him. He alone, in all reality, has life in himself, from himself. And now he has knit that eternal, undying starlight to a human body and soul, a human nature that... Death itself will never hold down. One who can die for us and rise again and unite everyone who believes in him to his death-proof humanity. So that when we rise with him, we need never fear the grave again. Just like the carol says, death not simply held at bay, but our own dying nature mended for us by his. You see, only if you understand who he is from eternally, God of God, light of light, can you grasp what it means, the wonder of what it means for him to become man. 
he came to clothe us in his own death-proof life, to restore humanity itself. And who else could possibly give you that? Who else could possibly be the light of the world but our own maker who gives himself to us in his son? God in the manger. This time last year, the world was falling over itself for a magic vaccine, promising us freedom, life. Maybe Pfizer could be our light. Maybe Moderna. Well, how did that work out, friends? Perhaps it kept us healthy for a few more months before it wore off yet again, booster after booster. But of all the millions of people who lost someone they loved, not one had them given back to them for Christmas. And however wonderful the things you are longing to give or to get today might be, it is just the same, isn't it? Nothing we give can do that thing we really ache for. And that doesn't mean we can't enjoy those other good gifts. They're wonderful things. But when we are at our most real with ourselves, we know the truth, don't we? Compared to those things our hearts really want, all the rest are just trinkets. Life with the people we love, that is something so infinitely precious that nothing comes close. And yet the light of life came all the way from heaven to hold it out for you. So receive the gift, and if you manage to rejoice in nothing else today, rejoice in the one who gave himself so that you could be his. Well, let's pray. Almighty Father, who gave what was most precious in all eternity out of love for us stubborn dying creatures. Help us, we pray, to rejoice in your heart of mercy and grace. And if we receive nothing else today of any true value, would we receive your Son as our true light, our hope of everlasting life? For we ask it in his glorious name. Amen.